Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus says that the seed is the word or the seed is the gospel. And here's the thing that we need to know. God's word contains within it the life of God that is reproduced in the hearts and lives of those who have it planted in them. When you receive God's word, God's life is planted in you. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 25, in a message titled, The Gospel Seed. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So today we come to the fourth chapter of Mark as we make our journey through Mark's Gospel And we're going to look here at this first parable that we find here in the fourth chapter. And Jesus, of course, spoke in parables. And this is the first of eight parables in the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you put all of the parables together from all four Gospels, Holman's Bible Dictionary says Jesus spoke about 50 parables you primarily find them in what are called the synoptic gospels. The synoptics are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Synoptic means to be seen from a similar point of view. As you've read through those three gospels, undoubtedly you've thought, well, you know, they're they're very similar. And they are similar, but they're not identical. They're they're different as well. Uh, John's the one that probably has the least amount of parables, although there's a, you know, a couple of sort of parabolic type of things there. But, but you find, for the most part, the parables in, as I said, the synoptic gospels. Now, in his parables, Jesus uses common life experiences and observations to illustrate and teach spiritual and heavenly truths. So Jesus, he's, you know, he's speaking to the people in their context. He's using things that everybody would get. Everybody would understand it. It's common to them. You know, for us, sometimes we read some of these parables and we don't quite get it. There are certain things in it that we we read it and, you know, we understand, you know, something about it, but but we don't understand it entirely. So anyway, when you're looking at these parables, this is what you see. You see Jesus is just taking, you know, experiences that they would all be very familiar with and he's using those things to illustrate and to teach spiritual truth about, you know, living our lives as God's people here in this world, but also occasionally he's teaching us about things in the future and about heaven. Now, some of the parables of Jesus were given to help people understand a spiritual truth. And I think that's the majority of the time that is what's happening. But there are some specific parables that we're we're even told were given for the opposite reason. There are some parables that Jesus spoke, and this is one of them, to actually veil the truth from certain people. And you think about that and you think, wow, that's Jesus is actually trying to hide the truth from somebody? That doesn't quite sound right. But that's exactly what's happening here. Look with me at verses 10 through 12. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. 
And he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. Wow, Jesus is saying, oh, I'm speaking like this so they don't get it. And, and like I said, we would think, wow, Jesus is trying to veil the truth from people. Why would he do that? Well, this is the reason. The reason is he's speaking in parables because uh, there are there in the midst, there are those that have rejected him. We looked at that previously. There are those that said his power was the power of the devil rather than the power of God. So they've come to a place where Jesus is not really talking to them. He's not really you know, trying to convince them of anything. He's going to now focus in on those who believe. So the parables would become a, sort of a filter through which those who were genuine, those whose motives were pure, they would be the ones to, to seek out and understand. But those who were indifferent, those who were hostile, they would be, like I said, filtered out through this process. And, and just to go back to the quote for a moment, the quote here, seeing they may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand, this is a quote from Isaiah. And Matthew adds to it, where Mark doesn't give us the entire quote, Matthew gives us the quote more fully, and it says, for the hearts of this people have grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing. So that's the reason, because their hearts are hard. They're like, we're not interested that was a decision that they made. So now this parable that we're going to look at is commonly called the parable of the sower or the farmer. The sower is the person who cast out the seed. So it's commonly called that, but it's more accurately the parable of the seed and the soil. So yes, there's a there's a farmer involved, but what Jesus is really talking about is he's talking about the seed and he's talking about the soil that the seed falls on. And one of the great things about these parables is that we're not left to try to figure out on our own what they mean or you know to guess at the meaning because Jesus, he interprets them for us. And that's what he does here. So he tells the parable a sower went forth to sow seed and he cast some and it fell on the, you know, the hard ground and then it fell on the stony ground and then it fell among the thorns and then it fell to the good, good ground. And then he comes back and he says, okay, this is what it means. And so we are going to look at what Jesus told us that the parable means and let's pick it up in verse 14 where Jesus said this, the sower sows the word. So this is where we start. What is he talking about? He's talking about the gospel going forth. Now, in one of the other accounts, Matthew or Luke's account, it specifically says that he is the sower. So that, of course, is what Jesus was doing. He was preaching the gospel. He was proclaiming it. He was throwing out the word of God. So Jesus tells us that the sower sows the word. The word of God, the gospel, we're talking really about the same thing. And so that's what's happening here. But I want you to notice that he refers to the word as a seed. So the seed represents 
the word of God. Now, think about this. All seeds contain within them all the information to reproduce the plant and its fruit. So, you know, whatever seed you have, it, when you put it in the ground, it, it's ultimately going to bring up, you know, I was eating an apple yesterday. I was studying this. And so I was, as I was throwing out the seeds, I think, wow, I'm throwing out apple trees right here, or I'm throwing out apples. And, and actually, before that, my, my granddaughter, Evelyn, I was doing a FaceTime with her dad, and she walked into the room, and so we started talking, and she walked into the room with a, you know, an apple that was pretty much eaten, and I said, oh, what are you doing with that apple? And she said, I'm going out to plant an apple tree. <laughs> so she was actually on her way out to the backyard to, I think she was probably going to throw it out there and just assume that it was going to become an apple tree. But the point is this, we understand that, right? So the life of of the, the plant or the fruit is all there in the seed. The DNA is all there. All it has to do is find good soil. And once it finds good soil, the life is going to come forth. So Jesus says that the seed is the word or the seed is the gospel. And here's the thing that we need to know. God's word contains within it the life of God that is reproduced in the hearts and lives of those who have it planted in them. When you receive God's word, God's life is planted in you. Isn't that amazing? You see, this is the seed. God's word is, is living. It's powerful. It's the seed. It contains the life of God. So when we get God's word into us, when we initially receive God's word, when we respond to it like the, the good soil here, then the life of God is planted within us. Now, the Bible uses this picture on a number of occasions. Let me give you a few examples. James tells us in the first chapter of his little letter, he says that by his own will, God caused us to be brought forth in birth by the word of truth. So we've been brought forth in birth. We've been born. And Peter tells us the exact same thing, but he uses the terminology that we're very familiar with. He says, we have been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God that lives and abides forever. So when the seed of God's word goes into the good soil of a heart, the life of God is then planted there within that person's life. And, and that life, just like the seed has life in it and it has power in it, so that seed of God's word has life in it and it has power in it to produce the life of God in our lives. You know, it's amazing the, the power that's in a seed. We've all seen those occasions where you see like, you know, a sidewalk or something. And for our British audience, the pavement. And you see like, you know, you see a weed like sticking up right in the middle of the sidewalk. You know, how did that happen? Uh, well, somehow, um, oftentimes, you know, there's already a, a space there and it makes its way through. But there are those occasions where you realize that somehow through a process, 
through the power contained in this little thing, this has made its way up here. And now here's the tie-in to scripture. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. You see, that's what happens. Just like that acorn could bust through that marble slab when the gospel enters a heart and the life of God is planted within our lives as human beings, the power of God begins to work that out in our lives. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. But when you understand it like that, it, you know, for me, it, it really explains a lot. It explains how people who otherwise are so bound in sin and seemingly irreparable and you know, seemingly beyond the, the grasp or the reach of any kind of real help or transformation, it explains how they change. They change because this power, this dynamic power of God comes into their life. The gospel, the word, is the power of God to salvation. And all it has to do is fall on that good soil and man, the life of God then begins to permeate and to work itself out from that person. So the seed is the word. Now, Jesus then goes on to speak about the various soils. Now, as we look at the explanation that he gives for the various soils, let me, let me just say this up front. You know, at, at the end, as we've already read, you know, we get to the one, we get to the good soil that, that bears much fruit. And we might be tempted to think that the good soil are those people with the good hearts that, you know, are going to receive God's word. They're the good people. But the Bible doesn't teach that there are good people. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches that we're all sinners. In one sense, the, you know, we can safely say that it's not really the soil itself that's what makes the difference here. Because all the soil is essentially the same. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. My heart is deceitful above all things and curably sick. So is yours. And so is everybody else's. So then how do you get like a good soil? Well, I think what we're looking at here really is we're looking at the depth of the entry of the seed. And we'll see that as we go along. So just wanted to say that up front. So let's look at what Jesus goes on to say. He says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. So the wayside would have been that, you know, just that path that, you know, how when people walk continually on a path, even a dirt path, it can become almost like asphalt. It can just get compacted so hard that it, you know, it's impenetrable in a sense. And that's what Jesus is referring to here. So as the farmer goes out and he's just scattering the seed, some of it is landing there on the wayside. And here's what Jesus says. It doesn't penetrate. He says, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. This is just something that I think is important for us to note. Satan is always trying to steal away God's word from people's hearts. 
This is what he does. His primary concern is to keep the word of God as far from people as uh, he can. And he does that through a whole variety of, of means. I mean, you think about all the deception, the spiritual deception that's in the world. But, but even individually, when a person has contact with the word, he's looking to thwart the effect of the word if he can. And so he's active in this process. The word goes out, and before it can ever penetrate, he's right there to try to snatch it away. And those are the ones where the seed falls by the wayside. Before the word can ever take root, they hear it, and before they can ever really bring it in, the enemy's right there to say, come on, that's not true. You don't want to, you don't want to believe that. Forget that. It's not going to be good for you if you do that. And then the person's like, oh, that's right. Yeah, forget that. The devil succeeded in his task there. So that's the first. The second is that of the ones that were sown on the stony ground. So these likewise, verse 16, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So here's the second. The person who receives the word initially with gladness, with great excitement, and yet it, it doesn't last. You know, I have seen that happen so many times over and over throughout years of of ministry. I've seen it so many times. I have seen people that responded to the word and man, they were just lit up. They were, they were on fire. And the initial thought is like, these guys are going to light the world on fire. This is amazing. You know, you're so excited for them and you're so excited about the prospect of, you know, how God might work in their lives. There's one person that really kind of stands out in my mind. I don't even remember the person's name, but I remember it was, it was a person who was a music guy and, you know, he was an artist and he was, you know, he was, he was ab- absolutely sure that he, he kind of, he kind of was a Freddie Mercury impersonator. And he was absolutely sure that he was going to be God's answer to Queen and he was going to be the one, you know, that the gospel was going to go out through him. And he was so excited about it. He was so passionate and, and I remember so vividly when he kind of came forth with all of his presentation of, you know, how great he was going to be for Jesus and all that. And one of the guys who was in leadership at the time, he just looked at him and he said, you know, you just kind of need to get in the back of the line. There's no celebrities here. You know, there's no rock stars here. We're just all serving Jesus. That radically offended him. It offended him so much that he left and he never came back. But man, for a few weeks, the guy was like a blazing torch for Jesus, you thought. But the moment something came into conflict with what he was really about, because in his mind, he was evidently thinking that the gospel was kind of more about him than it was about Jesus. And it was more about what he could get out of it than what he would give to the Lord. He just walked away, never saw him again. And that is just one illustration of how this can work itself out. But, 
but Jesus says, you know, there's an immediate excitement, but then when tribulation or persecution come because of the word. So it's the person who has, uh, they really have a misunderstanding. And, you know, sometimes it's preachers who promote that misunderstanding. You know, there, there is a message that's presented today that you can be a rock star for Jesus, that you can be a billionaire for Jesus, you know, that God's looking for people just like you with your charisma and your talent and all those things, and he's going to bless you, and you're going to become wealthy, and you're going to be perfectly healthy, and you're going to be so wise, and you're going to be able to be used by God so powerfully. People hear that message, and they say, sign me up. That's great. (laughs) Who doesn't want that? But it's not a reality. It's not a biblical reality. And so when they come with the false idea that that's what they're signing up for, and then suddenly they realize, oh, wait a second. Oh, people don't like me being a Christian. People are pushing back on me when I'm telling them about God. And well, this has created some difficulties for me, and this isn't helping my career, or this is, you know, this has set me at a, at a disadvantage. Wait, this isn't what I signed up for. But that, if, if we're signing up for <laughs> following the Lord, that is what we're signing up for. We're signing up for what Jesus experienced in the world. He was despised and rejected of men. And so that will, to some degree, is, as well, be our lot. And we can't forget that. But this is the person who doesn't see that. So, so the seed here, it's shallow. It falls on the the stony ground. So there's just a little bit of topsoil, but just slightly underneath the surface, there is this, you know, in in Israel, you would have like a limestone kind of a thing there or shale. You'd have something that was just right below the surface. That's what Jesus is describing. Something people would have understood. And so the minute the sun comes up, even though that thing has sprouted up and it looks so promising when the sun comes up, it withers. But then thirdly, there is now the soil that is infested with thorns. And so verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So the first seed just hits the ground and doesn't penetrate and the devil's there to snatch it away. The second one sinks in a little bit, but not any real depth to speak of. And whenever difficulty comes along, it's consumed by the fire. But now here's one that goes a little bit deeper. But it goes down to the level of the weeds. It it doesn't go deeper. It doesn't go beyond the level of the weeds. It it settles kind of right there in the weeds. And after, you know, the first service this morning, a lady comes up to me. She says, I know all about weeds. I do gardening and those, and I plant these pepper plants and these weeds, they come in and they just spread everywhere and they suck up all the water and the nutrients and stuff and the, you know, the plant, she was really, <laughs> she was really 
bothered by those weeds. And amen to that. Weeds are bad. And we've all encountered weeds, I think, probably. And what do they do? He says that they choke out the life so that no fruit ever comes to its full potential. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Progressive Christianity undermines the authority of Scripture and redefines many essential truths of the gospel. With powerful insight and intellectual integrity, Elisa Childers compares and contrasts the historic Christian gospel with the progressive gospel, enabling you to wrestle with doubts of your own or the challenge of others to the historic Christian faith. The book Another Gospel by Elisa Childers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.